0: Greetings, Earthlings. I am stoked for this episode. The first two episodes of this process that I'm going through were curiosity and objectivity, arguing that we should be objectively curious, and it was much more of introductory things. Today is application, so I want us to be thinking about how can we apply objective curiosity to our lives, and it's not just like learning how to play the banjo, and it's not just political opinions or things. like This could be objectivity throughout everything in your life to a certain extent. If you remember, I mentioned something about the movie I, Robot last week, and I might have left you on a cliffhanger. I didn't have time to get to it. I will today. Objectivity isn't always the best solution, but there are many things in our life that we can be objective about. and it always starts with being curious, then we become objective about those things. And Today, this episode is predominantly just application. So, How can we be objectively curious? Where can we be objectively curious? And how can that potentially improve our lives and lead to better understanding of the world around us as well as ourselves? this episode of those who wonder is brought to you by kombucha i had one earlier today i've been having some this past week apparently you're not supposed to have too much during the week but apparently it's also good for you i don't know if i were more curious i'd figure out exactly how and understand the science behind it but i'm just gonna take the label's word for it even though every anything can pretty much say organic i feel like anywho so application Objective curiosity. So, curiosity, as we have said before, is the desire to know something or understand something. Now, if you are going to understand something, you need to start with asking questions. So, as I said before, being curious means you are asking the right questions. I think that that is something that is not really taught super well in the public school system, at least. And that is. Students being conscious about the questions that they're asking. So like what makes, I ask my students like what makes a good question? And then a lot of times the answer is like something that makes you think. like, okay, (laughs) but like can you objectively explain what makes a good question? Like what are the qualities or characteristics of a good question? So let's think about asking questions. The way I go about teaching this is I'm in the middle of talking. I stop talking. I walk to the door. I open the door. I walk out gone for 10 seconds, walk back in and I say, what just happened? They're like, you walked out the door. Okay. Then I'm going to ask, how did I do that? You walk to the door, you open the handle, you open the door and you walked through. Why did I do that? Well, either to go get something or there's some deeper purpose that we're not understanding here. And then I say, you fools, there's a deeper purpose you're not understanding here. When I asked the what question. What kind of answer did that bring? So again, what did I do? How did I do it? Why did I do it? What did I do? When you ask that question, you're trying to find a specific answer, right? Like a, you're trying to identify something. What is that? What did he say? What did I just do? That is, you're trying to identify what blank is, right? So put a name on it understand at least what it is so when you're asking a what question that will bring a what type answer and that's identifying something the how question how did i do that what kind of answer does a how question bring it's usually again like how did that make you feel that's a little bit different but how did that happen how did I do that? That's a processed. Well, first you did this, then you did this, then you did this. So you're breaking down the steps into which something happened. So when you ask, how did that happen? How did you do that? How can I blank? You're trying to find, or the answer you're going to get at least is process, steps, how to do something. And then why did I do that? the two reasons would be first, is why did I open the door? I wanted to get outside to go grab something or there was a deeper purpose to teach you about the different types of questions and the answers that they bring. But the why question, a lot of times the answer will give you something's purpose or the reason behind something. Why did that happen? What was the purpose for that? What was the reason for that? Why do I feel this way? Why did you do that? Why am I here? The why question, a lot of times I find, is the deepest question. So, when you see something happen and you ask, why did that happen? In order for you to understand like purpose or like the big picture, like hindsight, like why did that happen, you need to figure out what it is. And then you also need to figure out the how that came to be. So, I would argue that why is the deepest question that we can ask. But you need to think about. In whatever it is you're seeking to understand, either responding to or researching, what are you trying to find out? Are you just trying to identify what it is? And are you trying to figure out how to do something? Or are you trying to figure out the purpose or the reason behind something? You should at least consider what information are you trying to find or be aware of what type of question you're going to get. Think of the red bird that I mentioned before. The what question is a very basic question. So if like you're going through life just asking what, You're really coming to just very basic conclusions, as in, what is that? You're just identifying things. Then you ask, like, how did that come to be? That's the process. That's like the history of something, right? And it has roots. And you understand, okay, this process or this is the result of blank and like all that has led to it. And then you ask why that gets deep. Could be scientific, could be philosophical. Uh, So those are the three major questions. Then there's like obviously the when and where. Who, what, where, when, why, how, blah. Two other things to consider, and then we're going to get into the meat and potatoes of all of this. The, there is inductive and deductive reasoning. So deductive reasoning is, if this is true and that is true, then blank is true. So you are deducing or you're coming to a conclusion. So you're observing something like, if that's true and that's true, then this is true. Okay? Okay. The other one is inductive reasoning, which I find to be essentially the scientific method, which is you observe something, you ask a question about what you're observing, you gather data or you develop research, you formulate a theory as to what it is you're actually looking at, and then you test to see if that's true. There's not one... One way isn't necessarily better, a better way to think. And if you recall, the last episode, I said, like, depending on the time in which you were alive you might think differently and like understand the world differently. The inductive reasoning, at least in Western society, really became predominant during the scientific revolution. Before that, there wasn't really much like science and science is a process of thinking. So it is true that depending on the time in which you were alive, that does impact how you think. We are very much, at least we try to be, and where the foundation is in Western civilization is inductive reasoning, as in look at something and then you can only conclude if some exactly what it is, is if you have evidence. Now, I'm also going to give an example that I find deductive reasoning is beneficial as well. So when I say like one isn't necessarily better than the other, it all depends on what exactly it is you're trying to understand. Okay. Now, I've talked about the different types of questions and I've talked about the ways in which you can go about thinking about things and... These are all like, this is kind of content things. The application's key for at least these things to be made sense of. And I think for you to start as a listener, if you are interested in this, thinking about how does this apply to me? How can I apply objectivity and curiosity to my life? And like, where does this apply? So I said last week that I think it breaks down into research, essentially, which is you seeking out understanding or like trying to understand something. And then response, as in something has happened and you are trying to make sense of what that is. So research is, I'm going to go research and understand birds in South America. I'm not responding to that. Like I'm not, birds aren't flying about me initially. Birds aren't flying by me and I'm responding like, what is that? The response is, events happen to you, things happen, and not even really to you necessarily. Like for instance, 9-11 or even the coronavirus Things are happening, you are in the web, as I've said before, Sonder. Things are happening, and you are trying to make sense of things that have happened to you, okay? Application. So, research. I want to start, and research is the seeking out of information, knowledge, or skills. Um, when we're learning about something, we should be seeking truth with a with a capital T, and not what we want to be true. So that is kind of the confirmation bias that I mentioned in the last episode, as in when you're. We should be seeking capital T truth. Now, I did mention before, like there is such thing as a personal truth. That's pretty much an opinion. Personal truth is something that makes you feel better about yourself. Like that's their personal truth, but it's your opinion, and you need to be able to distinguish when you have an opinion. Or when you're saying something that is objectively true And there is a major difference You might feel to your core That it is true Whatever you're saying But it might just be your opinion Okay Acknowledge And I think you're far better off And this leads to wisdom And this is like being objective Acknowledge that there is a difference Between things that you want to be true And the truth And I think some people freak out that, like, when you say like your opinions might not be true, like we we want how we feel about the world or what we think about the world, we want it to be true, obviously, because if it's not true, like that could send you spiraling. As in, okay, if that's not true, then like what is actually true? And some people freak out in the chaos of uncertainty. Um, So this guy. In PJ's theory of cognitive development, he has what he calls equilibrium and disequilibrium. And humans are always seeking to be in equilibrium. And that is where everything around you makes sense. So, and it, it does not mean that you understand everything for exactly what it is, like truthfully, as in capital T. It's where you at least are able to look at things like, okay, I know what that is, I know what that is, I know what that is, and like, you are comfortable. Everything around you is in order. It's like Jordan Peterson's Chaos and Order. Disequilibrium is where something is introduced or you experience something that you can't put into the category of, like, for example, this is a very basic one, but like a tiny child will see a four-legged furry creature. And be like, that's a dog because they have a dog, right? And then all of a sudden a cat walks in and that is a four-legged furry creature and like the kid's like, look at that dog. And then someone's like, no, that's a cat. The child is then put into disequilibrium, like, okay, hold up. Not all four-legged furry creatures are dogs. There are sometimes cats. And he has to, like, create that scheme and category, and then it goes even, like, deeper. You could say, like, bears, all the different four-legged furry creatures, and then it even goes into, like, let's say dogs, all the different types of breeds. Especially when we're younger, we're consistently getting being forced into disequilibrium where we're introduced to something that doesn't fit our understanding of the universe and we have to make sense of it. Confirmation bias and you seeking to be comfortable because we all want to be in equilibrium, which makes sense. Confirmation bias and like something's introduced to you, you might just oversimplify and like, okay, no, and just like make sense of it real quick just to get back to equilibrium and, like you're not gonna die. Again, I, I believe I said this before. Like it's not necessary for you to be objective in life. Like you can go through as, which is obvious when you look at the news. You can go through life and survive and not be objective and curious. Cruz. <laughs> that sounds like Chris D'Elia. I've been listening to him. Like you can, you can make it. I'm gonna argue in the end. You're better off being objective, and you're better off when something's introduced to you and you're forced into disequilibrium don't take the easy route and just place it into a category and like move on. Don't just assume and walk around. And this is supposed to represent something deeper. Don't put all four legged furry creatures into the dog category because it's not a dog. Now I really like this quote to sum this part up. I like this quote by Trevor Hall. Um, he's a good musician. If you're interested in like kind of like folky reggae, good vibes. Um, We should embrace disequilibrium. And Trevor Hall has this lyric and it's, what I know is that I don't know. And that's, I find to be profound. If we're objective and we're curious, we should acknowledge that I don't know things to be entirely true. Like I don't know if everything is true. I have opinions on things and I'm not sold that my thoughts on things or my opinions on things are the entire truth with a capital T because things are complicated. Life is incredibly complicated. You can't just take something and then oversimplify it and form an opinion and be like, this seems right because I want it to be right and I don't want to think about it anymore. You, We should embrace disequilibrium. Like find comfort in being aware that you don't know everything and sometimes your opinions might not be right. Be open to the possibility that your opinion is not correct. Now, when we are seeking out and researching, um, I broke this down into a few categories. The first one, let's go with learning new hobbies. And I think that is something that people lack. This is just a side opinion. I think it's important for you to find something that is not connected to money, like a passion that is not connected to money that you can develop and grow and avoid just instant gratification. So there's some evidence that shows that like having long-term goals or like hobbies or skills that you're trying to develop leads to the process leads to increased happiness. So avoiding like that instant gratification, find something you're not good at and research it and then try to get better at it. So this is more so skills where we're getting to hobbies, a capital T truth. If you're being objective and when you're trying to develop a new skill or a hobby, pick, like think for yourself, whatever it is. Let's say for me, it's going to be the banjo because I'm looking at the banjo right now. So think about like, what's a hobby or a skill that you have thought about and like you are interested in trying. Okay. Truth, capital T truth, being objective about this is when developing a new skill, you will most likely not be good at it. As in things take time. When you're researching and trying to develop a new skill, capital T truth is, you're most likely not going to initially be good at it. Some people are naturals and they just pick it up immediately. Awesome. But when you start something new, you're not going to be as good as you want. That seems to be capital T truth. Right? Embrace that. Embrace your inadequacy. And don't be proud. You got to remove the pride. This is the curiosity aspect. Like, if things, curiosity is the desire to understand something, you really need to have that itch or that that desire to get good at something and objectively tell yourself, okay, when I start this, I'm not going to be good, but also objectively tell yourself, if I put in effort, I will be better than I am now. And then you got to ask yourself, do I want to be better than I am now at this? If it's no, like if you don't want to put in the effort, be objective about that as well. Like I really don't care enough about the harp to go buy it and get a harp. I don't want to do that. I don't care. And I'm not going to waste my time because I've been objective about it. Like I'm not good at it and I don't want to put in the time. But think about something that you do want to put in the time. And when you start and you get really annoyed because you're not great at it, that's the objective reminder. I'm not as good As I want to be, but I know that if I put in time, I will get better. And then that's where curiosity kicks in. That like drives you along. I think it's also objective that if you stop developing a new skill because you're not as good as you want to be, you are the cause of the failure. So let's say I pick up the banjo and I'm playing it and I'm trying to play it, but like I can't move my hands fast as I want to. And I know what I want it to sound like and I stop Let's just be objective about why did I not learn the banjo? Me, I am the cause of my failure, and I think like that applies to life as well. Be objective, like something you're trying to do, and you stop. Objectively ask yourself, like, why didn't I get there? I would argue, if you're objective about it, you're gonna find the truth, as in capital T, because a Let's say, and like this will apply to other things like fitness that I'm going to talk about, but like um, confirmation bias. Let's say I don't learn the banjo. I'm going to be like, oh, I was too busy. And I'm going to convince myself of things. But like, just sit down and be objective. Why didn't I learn the banjo? Because I quit. Same thing for you. What hobby do you want to develop? Tell yourself, okay, I'm not good at it. When I start, I won't be good at it. But if I put in time, I will. And then. That's a good start. And then also objectively tell yourself, a major reason why I'm not going to do this is because I'm going to stop and I'm the reason for the failure. I don't think it's gonna necessarily like it might prevent you from quitting, but at least you're gonna run out of excuses and then you have no one else to blame but yourself. And that hopefully that prevents you from quitting. Now, another reason or thing that people find excuses for is dun 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 politics and when i say excuses i mean bias and it goes with the confirmation bias and other things but i have this song called small talk at parties i'm not going to play it in here but if you want to check it out it's on all streaming platforms shameless plug and in that song i have i found excerpts from youtube a bunch of all these different examples of people being polarized and biased in essentially and especially in political opinions for instance this woman's interviewing President Trump about climate change, and she's saying, like, well, what about the hurricanes? And he's like, well, people said the hurricanes are getting were far worse in the 1990s than they are today. And she's like, who says that? He's like, people say it. She's like, okay, well, what about the scientists who are saying that the hurricanes and these natural disasters are getting worse and worse? And he's like, well, you'd have to show me who the scientists are because I think a lot of scientists have a political agenda. Let's pause right there. When he says that, you either are going to say, amen, or you're going to be like, mm, that seems a little shady. Now, how are we? How should we be objective about in, in responding to this? We should be like, okay, hold up. Let's at least consider what he's saying. He's saying that scientists have political agendas. You can't assume that he's wrong. You can't assume that he's right. That's his opinion. Now, if he has data that supports it, that still doesn't mean that he's entirely right. But what is he doing? He has an opinion, and when someone's like, well, the scientists disagree, what is he doing? He's disregarding what they're saying by saying, like, oh, well, they're wrong. He's altering reality to be correct in his mind, and that's an opinion. That's not capital T truth. Now, perhaps the scientists are also biased, Like you can't, and you can't assume just because it's El Presidente and who he is that he's wrong. You have to, like, then you got to, in order to, like, conclude that he's wrong, you have to at least, like, look into, like, where are these scientists getting their money from? Blah, 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 right? Again, that's being objective. But what he's doing is using confirmation bias. Another example is Antifa. So, I'm trying to use both ends here. I think confirmation de- bias definitely applies to even, like, evaluating trump because people just immediately put him in the category of like he's great or he sucks can we please be objective about this and like he does something and because people don't like him with confirmation bias they just immediately attack whatever it is that he's done that's also biased and you're not being objective here he does something separate it obviously whatever he does is connected to who he is and there's a whole bunch of variables to it But don't let your emotions about him get in the way. And that is to Democrats and independents and even Republicans. Anyone. Don't let your emotions on the president impact and immediately force you into an opinion on something. Just understand it for what it is. Try to find the capital T truth. Now, the other side to the far extreme is Antifa. And in the song, Small Talk at Parties, go ahead and check it out. This guy from Antifa is essentially saying that they're fighting a bunch of neo Nazis and that they are going to use violence in as a mode of self defense. So because the people that they are, um, and if you don't know who Antifa is, and it's anti fascist, they're in like Portland and now I guess all over the United States. But they're going up to these protests and they are using violence. They have like their faces covered and they are fighting. In some areas, they're fighting against people who are also fighting them. But they say that they're fighting neo-Nazis, and neo-Nazis are supporting genocide, and so they are justified in self-defense in violence. Like, like, let's just think about this. When an Antifa, they're going to a protest, and like, these are all neo-Nazis. Like, that is such a generalized statement. And then you're supporting your violence by saying, like, we're fighting genocide. Like, do you, like... You, there is a sliver and there is a portion of what you're saying that could be correct but like there's also a portion that isn't so think about what you're saying right there like that is biased it's an opinion and you're justifying your actions by something that isn't necessarily true you're not being objective here If, like, I'm, these are people, and I'm now generalizing, but some of these people in these crowds, like, see a Trump flag, and they think that person is a neo-Nazi who is a white nationalist and supports genocide. That's such an extreme <laughs> view, and it's not truth. It's not capital T truth, and, like, that's their opinion. They feel so strongly about it that they're going out with bike chains and trying to, like, beat people. You are not being objective, Antifa. You are not being objective white nationalists. Like, if you hold that strong of an opinion, in my opinion, this is an opinion, whatever your opinion is can't be entirely true. Bold statement by me. Most things in regards to politics and forming political opinions, you are going to experience from an emotional standpoint. And that's fine. Like, that's your instinctual reaction. Something happens. Like, for instance... I felt some type of way when I saw videos of people protesting the government shutting down and like they're protesting the lockdown and they're all like out there without masks and they are protesting that. I immediately emotionally felt some type of way. What did I do? I'm like, okay, why are they out there? And like not forming like, why are they so dumb? That is biased and that's going to just lead me to a answer that affirms that I think they're dumb I ask myself like why are they doing this and I learned more about their side I don't entirely agree with their side but there is some truth to their side and their opinions and like they are supporting their opinions with facts and evidence their final conclusion is an opinion and it's not the truth just like someone's opinion that's saying that that's stupid is an opinion like, I think everyone, if people can just embrace disequilibrium and say, like, I don't know everything and they don't have to feel so strongly about forming an opinion. And when they do form an opinion, they should be open to the possibility that they are wrong because you can't oversimplify things like this lockdown. There's so many There are so many variables to this. And I'm not saying don't form opinions, but form opinions and be aware of there's a possibility that you might be wrong. And there's a possibility that you're biased and there's a possibility that you're oversimplifying it and be open to the possibility that you have much to learn. Um, here's, a, like, here's an example. Climate change. There is data that supports that our climate is getting warmer. There's data that supports that perhaps it is because of human activity. A lot of people feel some type of way on one side or the other Both sides can use evidence and data that supports their opinions. Now, let's say you are someone who is anti-climate change, we'll call it, and like pro-going green. And you're like, let's get all these solar panels and like do all the blah, 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 blah. Okay, now, let's be objective about the difference that we're making. For instance, solar panels, we don't know how to recycle them. So, like, we create these solar panels and then when they eventually stop working which they will we're throwing them in landfills and they are also creating pollution so like if you have the opinion that we should do things to go green you then need to be objective okay what's the best possible solution what's the best thing to do because solar panels might not be the greatest solution they might be easy but you need to be objective What's the problem and what is objectively the best way to solve it? And then be objective about the possibilities. Again, like this might be minor, but I learned this in geography. Actually a student pointed this out to me. Um, windmills, like the big wind turbines, they kill more birds a year than I th- like than pollution and anything else. Like they are messing with a bunch of bird migrations and they're killing a whole bunch of birds. Now, does that justify, do the ends justify the means? I don't know, but like you need to acknowledge that. That's just a random example. So like climate change, you can form an opinion on it and then like whatever you think is the right answer, you need to be objective about whatever you think, whatever the right answer is. Don't just because you are passionate and like you feel some type of way about it, don't just like anything that's going to solve this and make this better or could make it better is the best solution. We need to be like scientists or engineers in this aspect and think about what is the best solution. Be objective in that regard as well. I think why we are so polarized for even things like guns, climate change, whatever. Like you could, we could get polarized by like whether it's better to cut a sandwich from the corners or right down the middle. That will get polarized. I think it's because people just want to win the game. And that's like the debate. Or people just want to be right. And they will neglect all the details that are required to be actually correct. Like literally correct. They just want to feel like they're correct. And they want to be on the side that wins the argument. And the argument is whoever can yell the loudest. But and I've said this to my students when you like, because they every single morning, at least like they play the pledge of allegiance. Like they, you're, I guess supposed to stand up and say the pledge. You don't have to, I don't, I don't even know if you're like, if you have to, but they do that every morning in my school. And theoretically, if you're pledging allegiance, you pledge allegiance to United States, to the United States of America. You're not pledging allegiance to a political party you're not pledging allegiance to anything else. Winning the game objectively is whatever is best for the United States. So even if something goes against how you feel emotionally about something, but objectively it's best for the United States as a whole, you should at least be open to it, please. Like if someone on the other side in quotations like proposes a good idea and it is objectively a good idea, why would you shut it down? Because you're biased. Dr. Jordan Peterson has a good thought that I think is, represents an analogy for what I'm saying. And he's saying, like, when you're in a relationship, let's say you're married, and you and your spouse or your significant other or your partner or whatever you want to call it get into an argument. What's actually winning? Like you can win the argument and dominate your partner, and like win the debate and be right in quotes. Even if you are right, you and you win that. You win. What is actually objectively? What's actually winning in regards to your marriage? It's whatever is best for your marriage, and I'm not saying if it like it depends on the debate and the argument, but like. You should be thinking big picture, objectively, what is best? It's best that we try to resolve this and like move forward and grow rather than I want to win this. You need to reduce your ego and your pride. And like what is objectively what is best for my marriage? And that is that we resolve together this issue rather than me winning. And there is a difference. And I think objective truth is your priority, ideally, if you're in the marriage or in the relationship, is whatever's best for you and the relationship. You dominating your partner and winning the debate isn't necessarily what's best. I suppose I went on a tangent and a little bit off track there, but it is my podcast and I can say whatever I want, I suppose. In regards to research and you seeking out information, the point is you should embrace disequilibrium. Embrace the fact that you don't know everything and that some things are your opinion. And in regards to hobbies, like when you're seeking out a new skill, embrace the fact that you're not going to be good initially. Be objective about it. Be objective about your opinions. I'm like, yeah, this is how I feel. Like, like, this is what I know so far. This is how I feel. But like, I'm not assuming that I'm entirely correct. I'm open to the possibility that I might be wrong. I'm open to the possibility that I'm not good at this, but I could get better. Remove pride when you're researching. If you're truly objective, you'll realize and like, not in a negative way, but like how inadequate all of us are in something and like how average you are in like your knowledge of blank or your ability to do blank don't worry about it be open to disequilibrium it's not a big deal you're better off I would say if someone asks like what do you think about climate change and you don't know anything about it just just say like I don't really know enough about it because if you like form an opinion like oh, i feel this and like someone's like why do you feel that way like i don't really know like you look stupid so be open to your inadequacy and embrace it and seek to get better skills or knowledge and also be open to the fact that you can always get better in regards to knowledge or skills now That's research. Research. The next one is responding to things. So um, multiple things. So when I say responding, I mean that like things are happening to you. Could be people or events. Let's say relationships. Someone does something that really grinds your gears. And I think we all have someone in our life that like they just do things and it either annoys you or you're just baffled by that person. I would just like to point out. If you would recall, the dunning kruger bias is oversimplifying things and like things like, oh, once you know something a little bit, you assume that it's simple, but that's because you only have a simple understanding of blank. So in relationships with people, you can try to empathize and you can try to be empathetic and by empathize, I mean like put yourself in their shoes, but you can never fully understand someone or their actions. And I think you're—we're all better off in re, when in regards to responding to the people around us by assuming that you don't know exactly why that person did that, because someone could do it, and you can empathize, like that's stupid, that's wrong. And like it might be stupid and it might be wrong, but you're better off not oversimplifying someone's actions. It's like oh, they did this because, like, well, you know, you're a professional and you like understand the underlying reasons why this person did this and like why you disagree with it and why it's wrong. Assume if someone does something that baffles you or gets on your nerves, whatever else, assume you don't fully understand them. Because I would feel that, and objectively I would say you don't, I would feel that if you oversimplify something, like someone does something that annoys you and like it's oversimplified, you're... All of a sudden, on your like your high horse, and like you understand them, and like you can look down at that and say like that's wrong. Or someone does something to you, you can feel some type of way about it because it's you, and you're responding to it. And when you're trying to make sense, like why did they do that? Don't go with the oversimplified answer because it's definitely not that simple. And you, while you can empathize with that person a little bit, like you don't fully understand that person. Because humans are incredibly trekking complicated. And there's so many variables. The best thing that you can do is objectively say like, they did this. Okay. You could theorize why they did it. That would be like the inductive reasoning. This is what I'm observing. Let me gather some research. Think about all the reasons why. This is my theory. I'll test it out but I'm not going to conclude that that's exactly why they did it. And I'm not going to conclude that this is exactly what the person is like, but someone does something to you. Objectively, this is what they did. And then this is how I feel about it. And then this is how I could respond. And I would say, who knows if this is objective, this might just be my opinion, but responding with love is probably better than responding with hate. That was like the podcast. I said like your actions whether good or bad impact the world if someone does something bad to you it's like the pay it forward with negativity you're going to pay him back and then the rwanda genocide didn't happen in a day i know that's extreme and i'm not oversimplifying the rwanda genocide i feel like i got <laughs> i like set so many things up that i got to like constantly check myself which is probably good i guess keeps me on my toes how about work let's be objective about work How are you doing at work? Let's be objective here. Because what? Confirmation bias. You trying to be in equilibrium is like, I want to feel like I'm doing either good enough or great. And like, I'm fine because then you don't have to change things and changing things is annoying. That's confirmation bias. So ask yourself, how are you doing at work? How could you improve? Objectively. How are you doing? Objectively. How could you get better? And then think about what are your goals in life? And do they match with your goals for work or work in general? There's no better, like, You can, and I know there are so many variables behind this as well, because you got to pay rent and you got to, well, not even pay rent. You got to pay the mortgage, whatever. You got to get your kids through college, whatever. There's the earlier you do it, the better, I suppose. And maybe this is a millennial mindset, but look and analyze what am I doing for work? And does this match up with what I want for my life? And just be objective about it. And then you can at least say like, okay, what I'm doing in regards to my career doesn't match up. If you're objective about it, you can say that. that. That doesn't just then mean I must quit my job. Then you ask yourself, how can I make the connection or what do I need to do to get closer to what I want with my life? Maybe that's while you're working, take night classes. I don't know but look at what you want for your life and objectively ask is my career matching up with the one I want what I want for my life then ask yourself how can i get them closer you're better off, i would say you're better off doing that than just ignoring it like because ignoring it is just pushing it off for when all of a sudden you're older and and when i say older i mean like almost close to retiring or you've retired and you look back like, ah, I wish I did something different. That's because you weren't objective about it earlier. Just be objective. Evaluate. What are you doing for work? Does it match up with what, you're do- what you want out of life? If not, what can you do to get closer to what you want out of life? And then side thing, how am I doing at work? And how can I get better? Don't just think and ignore like, oh, I'm just going to cruise through. Something to think about. All right. Now, events that happen in life uh, could be good things, could be bad things, could be things like this coronavirus, right? Questions to ask yourself. And like, these are questions that you should be um, unbiased towards. And these are like the, the what, the how and the why Let's go with, and this is not good or bad. Let's go with the president being elected. Because it happened to, if you're an American, even if you're not American, it kind of happened to all of us. Good or bad, okay? We're being objective here. Think about the questions, the what, the how, and the why. What happened? President Trump was elected. Okay. How was President Trump elected? That, you got to go through the whole process, right? You got there's a lot to think about. Be unbiased. That's like doing history. You just try to understand it for what it is. How did this happen? And this isn't like a, how did this happen to me? This is like, how did this happen? Scientific. Remove bias. What are my feelings toward this? Identify how you feel about it. Just be objective. Like that is the kind of the be honest. Like what do I want to be true? How do I feel about this? And like, just be honest with yourself. Do you feel some type of way? Are you happy about it? Why are you happy about blank? Why are you sad, angry, joyful, whatever, about President Trump being elected in 2016? What's the reason for that? You want to... So that event happens, as in President Trump is elected. We instinctually... And emotionally respond to events So if President Trump is elected You have your instinctual reaction The objective aspect And goal is To avoid your Instinct Not necessarily avoid But when your instinctual reaction happens You want to Embrace it And then understand it Like okay this is how I initially feel And then just cool it Like okay I feel blank But In order for me to truly like find a proper truthful response as in like what I find what should be the correct response, I should understand the event first. So when the event happens, someone's like, How do you feel? I'm like, Well, I don't really know yet. And then like think about it. What happened? How did it happen? Why did it happen? Objectively. Don't get emotional in response, like, oh, these idiots did blank. Whatever. Objectively understand it and then form a conclusion, which is your opinion, which could be emotional, that like, I feel frustrated or I feel happy. But ideally, that is after you thought about it. You have that initial emotional response. Embrace it. Acknowledge it. Think about the event. Then form a conclusion and opinion, which could be emotional. And here is where I get to iRobot. Finally. If you recall in the scene where Will Smith is in a car that's in water I don't know, I guess it was a river, might have been the ocean, and I think there was another car, and there's like a kid in that car, or is there a kid in his car? There's a kid in a car, and Will Smith is also in a car. This robot comes flying down, swimming down, flying first, then swims, gets to the two cars, And who does he save? He saves Will Smith. Why? Because he was 100% entirely objective. He evaluated the situation, removed all emotions entirely because he's a robot, and was like, well, technically, Will Smith has a higher chance of surviving, so I'm going to save Will Smith. And Will Smith's like, get the kid! And then he gets saved, and he holds it against the robots ever since. I don't think we should be entirely like robots. I don't think that we should remove emotions because part of being human is experiencing the emotions. And that's why I said like your opinion after thinking about things, like you could still have an emotional response. We shouldn't just look at things and like be entirely objective about it because that that could get pretty dicey. Like if we're starting to experience overpopulation, that could get a little dicey. Like the objective solution is we got to uh, remove some people from this planet. Like and anim- nature is objective and humans try to get past nature. So like nature doesn't have time for people who aren't likely to survive. <clears throat> humans take care of them like physically disabled or mentally disabled people. We take care of them. I know I'm going down like a dangerous rabbit hole here But I'm also right So like try not to get all emotional on me here Like nature does not support Those who are less likely to survive Humans, because we have the human nature And like the emotional attachment We protect those that are less likely to survive And that's great That is good That's not being entirely robotic. That's not being entirely objective. So like when I say objectively consider things, that's not 100%. Like pull that back a little bit because robotic objectivity is different than human objectivity. The objectivity is understanding something for what it is and then you can form an emotional response. But don't, it's it's, it's A, You have an emotional response to something. B is objectively understand it. And then C, and when I say objectively, like that's avoid A. So don't let A go into B. And then C is after objectively understanding something to the best of your ability, because you're always going to be biased, then form an opinion, which could be emotional. Don't be the robot. Now that's a pretty dicey situation. I think most humans would go towards the kid. Objectively, why? <sighs> Could be a lot of reasons, no? Hmm. All right. Uh, last thing. We should be, and this is responding, but we should be objectively trying to understand ourselves. So like oneself, the internal. Let's think Relationships. How are you doing with your relationships? How could you get better? And like, for me, how am I doing as a husband, as a brother, as a son, as a friend? Whatever, like, so me and my friends that I haven't seen, like, that grew up in Marlton, New Jersey, haven't talked in a while. Like, how am I doing? Okay, I'm doing not great. How could I get better? Be objective about it. And like, what could get in the way is like, well, they don't call me like that's confirmation bias of like me trying to justify how i feel about something and i don't even know if it's like technically if you want to get all nerdy on me like if it's literary confirmation bias but like it is me trying to stay in equilibrium like things are good the way they are but objectively ask yourself like how am i doing in this relationship how could i get better as a husband as a brother as a friend whatever and then that's obviously apply to yourself i could get better as a husband I could also make up a million, no, no. an that's an exaggeration. I can make up a bunch of excuses as to why I don't need to get better at blank. Like, well, she doesn't do blank. But like objectively, as I said before, like what's the best for the marriage? Objectively, the best thing for the marriage is for me to do the best that I can do for the marriage. And objectively, me coming up with excuses that justify where I'm at and not trying to get better is not good for the marriage. Same thing with friends, with friendship. Same thing with work relationships too. Anything. All right. Life goals. I, I was looking forward to this because I've been getting into this one lately. What are your life goals? So like define the goal. For instance, I mean, it could be career related it could be not career related like it could be i want to run a half marathon it could be i want to save x amount of money it could be i want to start a business ideally your goal is measurable so this is like you're defining objective goals too so for example i want to this could be a goal and like you might hear this like that's way too much money or you might hear this like that's it (laughs) this is a goal. I want to have $3,000 more in my savings account by the end of the year. So by the end of 2020, I want to have 3,000 more in the account. That's measurable. Then ask yourself, what can I do? What should I do? And what will I do? And be objective. So like, I want to save $3,000. Objectively, what can I do to save $3,000? Then like list all the potential things. This is design thinking. I teach a class on this then what should I do? Like, okay, I should, I like, I could eat out less, like go out to eat less. I probably should as well, like health and other things, like prioritize. What should I do to save money? Like that requires evaluating your own actions as well. Like what am I currently doing? That's preventing me from saving money. What should I do? And then what will I do? I'm going to do blank. Now, the will I do ideally should be measurable as in I'm going to only spend blank amount a week on food or a month on food, right? That ideally is measurable as well and objective. So having a measurable goal allows you to objectively say whether or not you're succeeding as well. And like that could be broken down into monthly, weekly, and daily. You have your goal. I want to say, like my example is I want to save $3,000 for this year. So then like break it down to monthly. Here's what I want. Why? And then like, let's say the month is over and I wanted to save 800 and I didn't. I then ask myself, why didn't I? And be objective about it. Like, oh, well, this came up and this came up. Like, okay. Yes, that came up, but that's life. Like a car... I had to get something fixed for the car, but also like what else was I doing that even though the car thing happened, like I still spend so much money on like going out to eat food, right? That's, and like be objective. When you're setting your goals, ask yourself, why might I fail? I think that is like, that's key, right? I want to save $3,000. Before I even start, I ask myself, why why would I not save $3000 this year? And be objective. What are all the things that I do or that are in my life that are going to prevent me from saving $3000? List them out. Like food is one of them. Grocery shopping. Right? But then the other aspect is going out to eat. Or while you're in the middle of your goal, ask yourself, "Why am I not succeeding?" So I mentioned fitness before and I think fitness is, and again, I'm not saying like everyone needs to be seeking goals in fitness, but like fitness is something that I think we all generally share. Like we, for the most part, want to be in better shape than we are, or we want to be more fit. But a lot of times we say, what's the excuse? Like, I'm just too busy. I think that's confirmation bias. And like, Yes, you might be busy and like objectively, you literally have no time, but like be honest with yourself. Do you legitimately not have time? So then like, why am I not succeeding? How much time is spent? Do you spend at night watching TV? Like objectively, do you literally not have enough time to work out or even like spend 10, 15 minutes working out? When you make up the excuse, like, oh, I'm just so busy this week, like what you're doing is trying to stay in equilibrium and stay comfortable. And like, oh, I don't want to, because when you're, in, when you're working out, that's disequilibrium of like, this hurts. <laughs> this is chaos. The excuse of I don't have time is, is the same thing as like when I'm trying to learn the banjo. And like, I, if I'm not good at it and I don't like it, and it's the like disequilibrium of like, oh, I wish I was better. The comfort is to go back to what is normal and that's like to just not do that. And I will come up with an excuse of like, oh, I, just, I don't have time or, oh, I mean, for banjo, like my fingers hurt, <laughs> you know, but like working out, it's like, oh, my legs sore. And like maybe it is, maybe you need to rest or like maybe you're just being soft. Genuinely. And again, it goes to like that, like, as I said before with the with the hobbies and like developing goals and skills, like objectively, why are you doing this? And like, do you want to do this? So when you're objectively asking yourself, what are your goals in life? Like, what do you want to get out of life? Be honest with yourself. Like, what's the point of wasting time? Like, oh, I want to get a whole bunch of money and like, or I want to be successful. And like, are you doing that because that's what you expect is, what people want and like you're just trying to match that like what do you want because if you don't really want it like that's the curiosity aspect like if you're not curious about it and you're not driven or if you're not desiring to get better at it or understanding it more likely than not you're not going to do it because you're going to make excuses because you don't enjoy you can't embrace the disequilibrium of not being good at it it's the same for fitness it's the same for developing any hobby or skill or even like learning more about something If you don't want to do it, and that's a curiosity aspect, then you're more than likely not going to do it. And you're going to make an excuse as to why you didn't do it. So some things you don't want to do, like fitness, you learn to love it. You learn to enjoy it. But like, whatever your goal is, why do you want to do it? And like, be objective in that. And if it's not a good reason, then don't do it objectively it should be like because I love it and I find joy in this and I think it's going to make me a better person whatever else whatever your goal is be objective into why as to why you want to do it and if it's not a good reason maybe you shouldn't waste your time with that what do you want out of life what do you think objectively would give you a good life And when I said like the success thing, we find, especially in Western society, perhaps that like getting money and things is success. And like, those are my goals. If you don't understand yourself and you're just going after goals that society has put forth, you're going to reach those goals. Maybe like if you're, if you work hard, you'll reach those goals and it's not going to be fulfilling. Why? Because you didn't take the time to think about what you want out of life. And that's understanding yourself so the success is money thing that's like we as humans are like clay right and you are born in a time and place nature nurture but we're like clay and we're molded by our surroundings and that is natural and necessary like for instance you learn english if you're born in america oh goodness gracious how dare i even assume You learn whatever language it is really that's like in the house and like, why do you do that? I'm going to keep that in there just to like point out my flaws. You learn a language, whatever, usually it's whatever is spoken in the house. Why do you do that? Because you're better off surviving if you can communicate with the people that are going to provide for you. So it's natural for us to be, and it's necessary for us to be mold and to form to our surroundings because you don't want to stand out too much. But if you're not careful, you will be so formed by your surroundings that you you forget and you lose sense of your true self. And that's what I mean by be objective. Evaluate your surroundings and like ask yourself, how do I feel about this? I even like... I say to my students when we get into Hinduism and the concept of like reincarnation, which I'm not saying is true or false, but if that's true, like you have a soul which passes on. And so like you came into this world looking the way you look and nature, nurture, you are the way you are. Um, But perhaps there is a deeper, truer sense of who you are that was... Like the root prior to uh, all the nurture, right? Prior to the environment. Like I'm given the name Sean. That's a very Anglo-Saxon, Western civilization name. You know, like I'm influenced by Western civilization, but to the root of me and like the instinctual soul isn't Western, right? Like I'm influenced by Western society, but there is something deeper to me. Am I taking time to try to come in tune with that? I guess would be the word like to, like to be in tune with myself, my truest self. My truest self is the thing that like instinctually reacts. Let's say like to music. I don't know why, but like I just attach to it. Be objective. Like acknowledge those things. Understand. I need to understand myself. I react to things in certain ways instinctually that says something. So am I taking the time to try to understand it? Am I taking the time to find and think about like what actually gives me joy and brings joy to my life? What do I want out of life? Does money bring joy into my life? Like is that what I want? Or and then this is like the more difficult thing, right? is a thing that I want out of life, something that's not going to get me material things and money. Like teaching, (laughs) right? Like I love teaching and I don't know why, but like I just connected to it and I attached to it. And like, I find that this is my design and my purpose. It's almost like uh, in the alchemist or like my personal legend, a part of it's teaching. And unfortunately it is Objectively, a career that's not going to get me a lot of money. And then I have to like wrestle with that and be objective. Like, is this something I want to do for the rest of my life, even though I love it, but it's not going to get me financial gain? I don't know, man. Like that that's something that I still wrestle with. Like, I don't know if I'm going to teach for the rest of my life. Right now, I'm into it. And right now like I don't really care necessarily because as I said before in like a previous podcast if you're making more than 36,000 a year I believe you're in the 1%, so relatively I'm doing fine. I could be doing way worse. And I find joy in the day to day. And I know that. And it's not like I'm trying to deceive myself and to maintain equilibrium and avoid chaos. Like I know because I've thought about it. And I don't want to just talk about myself, but I have thought about life goals and career and they do match up. And then like I want to set goals for the future. Being objective, I know that I want to stay within something that's connected to my life goal. But enough about me. How about you? Are you being objective in life? In regards to, one, when you're researching things, understanding things, are you being objective? Are you able to identify biases within yourself? Are you trying to understand something exactly for what it is? And can you embrace disequilibrium? Can you embrace the disequilibrium when you're developing a new skill in a hobby? Knowing that you are not as good as you want to be and the whole hobby thing, like that is essentially... The same thing, like with life. Like, you are objectively, you are not. I'm sorry for assuming. Well, we'll assume this. You are not doing as well as you could be or you want to be. That is objective. Acknowledge it. You don't know everything. Some things you think you know are wrong. Embrace disequilibrium. Disequilibrium forces you to make choices, right? And like to understand things more. It requires effort. There's disequilibrium in your life. There are things, once you start to think about it, like there are things that you want to improve and are not the way that you want them to be. And then once you acknowledge that, it weighs down on you, right? There's like chaos in life. So then you need to be objective. What do I want? What do I need to get there? And then at what cost, right? That's like the robotic objectivity We don't want that. But we should want to be curious about how we can improve ourselves. So using deductive reasoning, I thought of this and I thought this would be a good way to end. So this is deductive reasoning. So if this is true and this is true, then this is true. If humans alter reality in order to remain in equilibrium and you are a human... That means that you, at times, are altering reality in order to remain in equilibrium. You are deceiving yourself from actual truth in order to prevent disequilibrium. General questions. What do you want out of life? Are you happy? How are you doing in life? How are you doing in relationships? How can you get better? And just be objective. I think that process will open you up to understanding your true self. What brings joy? What do you want? How are you doing? Acknowledge that you, because you're human, deceive yourself at times in order to avoid disequilibrium. Again, but if you can embrace disequilibrium, embrace chaos, and be curious about it, and be open to it I think that starts the journey to in the end understanding yourself and then finding what's fulfilling in life and becoming better at life because if you're genuinely objective about it you will work towards finding truth with a capital T and that in the end is going to be wisdom but we got some podcasts to go before we get to that so Homework, reflect on self, relationships, work, hobbies, happiness, fitness, mental health, whatever. How am I doing? How can I get better and be objective? Peace.